Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Award-winning author, screenwriter, podcaster, YouTube influencer. I don't really like to use the word influencer. Uh, it's so Gen X, or not Gen X, sorry. I'm Gen X, it's so Gen Z. Uh, just cliche phrases and whatnot. This week I'll be talking about the Amityville House. The House of Hell, essentially. On November 13th, 1974, Ronald Defoe Jr. shot and killed six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue. A large Dutch colonial house situated in a suburban neighborhood in Amityville on the south shore of Long Island, New York. He was convicted of second-degree murder in November 1975 and sentenced to six sentences of 25 years to life in prison. Defoe died in custody in March of 2021. The Amityville Horror is a book by American author Jay Anson, published in September 1977. It is also the basis of a series of films released from 1979 and onward to today. The book is based on the claims of paranormal experiences by the Lutz family, but has led to controversy and lawsuits over its authenticity and truthfulness. In December 1975, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the house. After 28 days, the Lutz family fled the house, claiming to have been terrorized by paranormal phenomena while living there. The book describes the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, as remaining empty for 13 months after the Defoe murders. In December 1975, George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house for what was considered to be a bargain price of $80,000. The five-bedroom house was built in Dutch colonial style and had a distinctive gambrel roof. It also had a swimming pool and a boathouse, as it was located on a canal. George and Kathy married in July 1975. That was the year and month of my birth. And each had their own homes, but they wanted to start fresh with a new property and a new life. Kathy had three children from a previous marriage. Daniel, nine, Christopher, seven, and Melissa, also known as Missy, five. They also owned a crossbreed Malamut Labrador named Harry. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the Defoe murders and asked if this would affect their decision. After discussing the matter, they decided that it was not a problem. The Lutz family moved in on December 18, 1975. Much of the Defoe family's furniture was still in the house because it was included for $400 as part of the deal. A friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and had no experience in what was to entail. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic and explained the process to George. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray who agreed to carry out the house blessing. In Anson's book, real-life priest Father Ralph J. Picaro is referred to as Father Manuska, for privacy reasons, of course. Father Manuska was a lawyer judge of the Catholic court in 
psychotherapist who lived at the local Sacred Heart Rectory. He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings in the afternoon of December 18, 1975, and went into the building to carry out the rites. Please hold for a very important message from one of my sponsors. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Hi, welcome back after that commercial break. I'll move on to what I was discussing earlier. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demanding that he get out. When leaving the house, Father Mancuso did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy. On December 24th, 1975, Father Mancuso called George Lotz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice. The former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew Defoe that Kathy planned to use as a sewing room, but the call was cut short by static. Following his visit to the house, Father Mancuso allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to a stigmata. At first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house, talking about their experiences subsequently. They reported that it was as if they were each living in a different house. By mid-January 1976, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they experienced what would turn out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on this occasion, describing them as too frightening. After getting in touch with Father Mancuso, the Lutzes decided to take some belongings and stay at Kathy's mother's house in nearby Deer Park, New York, until they had sorted out the problems with the house. They claimed that the phenomena followed them there, with the final scene of Anson's book describing greenish-black slime coming up the staircase towards them. On January 14, 1976, George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving all of their possessions behind. The next day, a mover arrived to remove the possessions to send to the Lutzes. He reported no paranormal phenomena while inside the house. The book was written after Tam Mossman, an editor at the publishing house, Princess Hall, introduced George and Kathy Lutz to Jay Anson. The Lutzes did not work directly with Anson, but submitted around 45 hours of tape-recorded recollections to him, which were used as the basis of the book. Estimates of the sale of the book are around 10 million copies from its numerous editions. The stories and the legends go on from there, of course. Anson is said to have based the title of the Amityville Horror on the Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft, which was published in 1929. The story of the Amityville Horror was continued in a series of books by John G. Jones with the Amityville Horror Part 2, which was released in 1982. Amityville, the final chapter in 1985... Amityville, The Evil Escapes, 1988, and Amityville, The Horror Returns, 1989. In 1991, Amityville, The Nightmare Continues by Robin Carl was published. 
Hans Holzer wrote three books relating to the story, Murder in Amityville, The Amityville Curse, and The Secret of Amityville. Murder in Amityville was used as the basis of the 1982 film, Amityville 2, The Possession, and the 1990 film, The Amityville Curse. They were both based on the book of the same name. William Weber, the defense attorney for Ronald Defoe Jr. at his trial, recommended Holzer to Defoe in 1979 as a way for Defoe to obtain a book deal for telling his side of the story. In 1983, the film Amityville 3D was also turned into novelization by George McGill, Mentally 3 in Amityville. A factual account of the case by Will Survive was published in 2008. Disputes over truth and authenticity. The role of Father Picaro, Father Mancuso, in the book, and the story has been given considerable attention. During the course of the lawsuit surrounding the case in the late 1970s, Father Picaro stated in an affidavit that his only contact with the Lutzes concerning the matter had been by telephone. Other accounts say that Father Picaro did visit the house, but experienced nothing unusual there. In 1979, Father Picaro appeared in silhouette, described his experience while blessing the Amityville house during an interview for the television series In Search Of. In the interview, Picaro makes it clear that he did in fact enter the home and that he was slapped by an invisible force and told to get out by a disembodied voice. The claims of physical damage to the locks, doors, and windows were rejected by Jim and Barbara Cromartery, who bought the house for $55,000, equivalent to $246,000 in 2021, in March of 1977. Barbara Cromartery argued that they appeared to be the original items and had not been repaired. The Cromarteries also revealed that the red room was a small closet in the basement and would have been known to the previous owners of the house, the Lutzes, because it was not concealed in any way. The claim made in Chapter 11 of the book that the house was built on the site where the local Chinook Indians had once abandoned the mentally ill and the dying was rejected by local Native American leaders. The claim of the cloven hoof prints in the snow on January 1, 1976, was rejected by researcher Rick Moran and Peter Jordan whose investigation revealed that there had not been snowfall at that time. Neighbors reported nothing unusual during the time that the Lutzes were living there. Police officers are depicted visiting the house in the book in 1979 in the film. But the records showed that the Lutzes did not call the police during the periods that they were living on Ocean Avenue. There was no bar in the Amityville called the Witch's Brew at the time. Critics, including Stephen Kaplan, have pointed out that the changes were made to the book as it was reprinted in different editions. In the original hardcover edition, Father Picaro's car is an old tan Ford, and he experiences an incident in which the hood flies up against the windshield while he was driving it. It later, in other editions, he is driving it, but the car is described as a Chevrolet Vega before reverting to a Ford. In May 1977, George and Kathy Lutz filed a lawsuit against William Weber, the defense lawyer for Ronald Defoe Jr., at his trial. 
Paul Hoffman, a writer working on an account of the hauntings, Bernard Burton and Frederick Mars, both alleged clairvoyants who had examined the house, along with Good Housekeeping magazine and the New York Sunday News and the Hearst Corporation. The Lutz's alleged misappropriation of names for trade purposes, invasion of privacy, and mental distress. The claims against the news corporations were dropped, and the remainder of the lawsuit was heard by Brooklyn U.S. District Court Judge Jack B. Weinstein. In September 1979, Judge Weinstein dismissed the Lutz's claims in the September 17, 1979 issue of People magazine. Willem Weber wrote, I know this book is a hoax. We created the horror story over many bottles of wine. This refers to a meeting that Weber is said to have had with George and Kathy Lutz, during which they discussed what would later become the outline of Anson's book. Judge Weinstein also expressed concern about the conduct of William Weber and Bernard Burton relating to the affair, stating there is a very serious ethical question when lawyers become literary agents. George Lutz maintained events in the book were mostly true. In June 1979, George and Kathy Lutz took a polygraph test relating to their experiences at the house. The polygraph tests were performed by Chris Gugaz and Michael Rice, who at the time were reportedly among the top five polygraph experts in America. The results, in Rice's opinion, did not indicate lying. In fact, it indicated that there were some truths to what they were claiming. In October 2000, the History Channel broadcast Amityville, The Haunting, and Amityville Horror or Hoax, a two-part documentary made by horror screenwriter, producer Daniel Ferens. The debate about the accuracy of the Amityville Horror continues to this day. Various owners of the house since the Lutz family left in 1976 have publicly reported, some saying that there have not been any problems since they've lived there, and others saying since they owned it, there have been strange paranormal occurrences. James Camaraderie, who bought the house in 1977 and lived there with his wife Barbara for 10 years, commented, nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by because the book and the movie. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. I was a part of a documentary series that was released in 2013 called My Amityville Horror. And it was about the eldest son, the eldest Lutz son, and his encounter and experience 
and the mental turmoil that he endured and still is tortured by today from the short period of time they spent in the Amityville house. And he said one of the greatest days of his life was when his stepfather died because he was a ruthless, conniving son of a bitch. Just an awful human being. And he felt a great sense of peace when George Lutz died. Now, I never met George myself, but I did have a talk and a short interview and some spent some time with the eldest Lutz son during the making of this documentary, My Amityville Horror. And I was fortunate enough to be the presenter during the film festival night of its premiere at the Gateway Film Festival. That was an interesting night indeed. Uh, everyone was a little on edge and the eldest Lutz son still has a lot to work out mentally from just the short period of time they spent at the house because of what his stepfather put him through and all the years of being teased or bullied about living in the house. As of 2022, the house is occupied by a buyer who bought the house in 2017. The house was last listed on the market in 2016 for $850,000 and was Realtor.com's most popular house during the first week of its listing. However, the 5,000-square-foot home was only sold a year on February 2017 when it was then purchased by an unnamed buyer for $605,000. This is a sharp contrast to similar houses in the area which go for well above $1 million. The previous owners of the iconic house were Caroline D'Antonio and her husband. The couple bought the house in 2010 at a discounted price of $950,000 after it was listed for $1.15 million, the highest listed price ever for the haunted house. It was said that D'Antonio and her husband, David, chose the house because of its reputation and its hauntings and popularity. The house and the history behind it was the backdrop for the well-claimed Conjuring Part 2, which was the top-grossing film during its opening weekend. D'Antonio decided to sell the house in 2015 to downsize after the death of her husband in the same year. After the heinous murders committed by Ronald Defoe Jr., Amityville House went on to become the home of several families, including George and Kathy Lutz, 1975, Jim and Barbara Cremotary, 1977 and 1987, Peter and Janine O'Neill, 1987 and 1997, Brian Wilson, 1997 to 2010, and Caroline and David D'Antonio. 2010 to 2016. At the time of the murder, the house was worth $75,000. It's arguably one of the most famous haunted houses in the world, for it was a site of the Grizzly Massacre that shook the nation. It was 3 a.m. in the morning on November 13, 1974, when Ronald Defoe Jr. took a 35 Marlin lever action rifle and creeped upon his family. Within minutes, Ronald shot and killed his parents, his two younger brothers, and then his two younger sisters. However, 
The murders only reported at 6 in the morning when Ronald stormed into a local bar and shouted, You have to get me help. You have to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. In the investigations that followed, the police were made aware by neighbors that no gunshots were heard, although dogs can be heard barking in the middle of the night at around 3 a.m. Ronald had initially suggested that the crimes were committed by a mafia hitman, Louis Fellini. It is in his initial statement, Ronald alleged that Fellini had pointed a gun to his head while shooting his family members with another gun. Although inconsistencies in his, his account of the events, as well as mounting evidence against him, forced Defoe to confess to the murder of his six family members. Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Ronald Defoe Jr. during his confessions to the police. Defoe's lawyer, William Weber, eventually pleaded for insanity as a defense, claiming that the voices in Defoe's mind coerced him to commit the murders. However, the psychiatric evaluation of Defoe concluded that while he was a, an avid drug user and had displayed antisocial personality disorder, Defoe was well aware of his action at the time of the murders. On November 21, 1975, Ronald was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced with six consecutive sentences of 25 years to life in prison. Defoe passed away on March 21, 2021 at Albany Medical Center. The cause of death was not released to the public. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. There are many more questions than answers in reality. For example, one might ask, some of the things that were portrayed in the films, did they really happen? Like, did flies really swarm the priest who blessed the home? No. They, the filmmakers, could have just as easily had done the flies the way they really happened, says George Lotz, who laughed at the movie's portrayal of flies attacking the priest. Jay Anson's book, The Amityville Horror, mentions the swarms of flies showing up in a second-floor room in the winter, but it doesn't mention them attacking the priest. Could George and Kathy Lotz afford the Ocean Avenue home? According to son Christopher Lotz, George and Kathy did not have any trouble paying for the mortgage due to the history of the home, and it was listed well under market price at $80,000. Was the real Amityville house used in the movie? No... Although the exteriors in the 1979 Amityville Horror movie look similar to the real Long Island home, the house used for the movie is actually located at 18 Brooks Road, Toms River, New Jersey. 
How long do the real Futz, Futz, Lutz family live in the home? With regard to the Emmettville horror true story, it is widely known that the Lutz family spent 28 days in the home. George, Kathleen, Daniel, Christopher, and Missy moved in December 18, 1975, and fled on January 14, 1976. Did the priest really get static on the phone when he tried to call and warn the Lutzes? Yes, that is true, at least according to the TV program in search of and their 1979 interview with who they state is the real Amityville priest. Noise interference prevented any phone communication and he could never get through to warn the family of anything. Was Kathy's aunt really a nun? No, according to Jay Anson's book, The Amityville Horror, Kathy's aunt, Teresa, was formerly a nun. She was no longer a nun when the events took place. She already had a family of her own by the time her niece moved into that home. Is there any evidence that the real Emmettville house was haunted? Yes, but it has been shrouded in mystery and controversy. The debate over the alleged Emmettville ghost image displayed where the face of the boy with the white eyes matches to a T the victim of the youngest Defoe boy who was killed and the murders prior to the Lutz family moving in. George Lutz first revealed it during an interview on the Merv Griffin show in 1979. It had taken three years earlier in 1976 by Ed and Lorraine Warren's team of paranormal investigators, namely a professional photographer by the name of Gene Campbell. Campbell had set up a camera equipped with black and white infrared to film and shoot automatically during the night. Numerous rolls of film were used, with only one suspicious image being captured, the Emmettville ghost. The image shows the figure with solid white eyes peering out of the doorway, the doorway which leads to the room of the youngest Defoe boy who was murdered. Some believe that it is a demon impersonating the disembodied spirit of the young murder victim, or possibly the ghost of the murdered Defoe boy, John. Others have concluded that it is likely one of the investigators, a particular man named Paul Bartz. They cite that his white eyes were possibly due to the infrared camera, but that doesn't explain how a man named Paul Bartz, who was known for being stalky and wide would all of a sudden look like a small six-year-old boy in this image. Did a swarm of flies appear in the home at all? Yes, during an interview with Inside Edition in 2005, Chris Lutz explained that there was definitely a lot of flies, but nothing again like Hollywood portrayed it. His brother Daniel also mentioned issues with flies in his documentary, My Amityville Horror. Although, he claims there were many, many more. Were there cold spots in the house? Yes, at least according to the, most of the people involved in the story. Cold spots popping up when walking into certain rooms, when doing blessings. This includes son Daniel Lutz and father Ralph Picaro, the priest who allegedly blessed the home. The strange coldness is why the movie depicts George Lutz constantly chopping wood and burning the home's fireplace. 
The son, Daniel Lutz, gives his account in the documentary Miami Devil Horror, released in 2012, which I mentioned I presented at the Gateway Film Festival. Did the toilets overflow with black sludge? No, at least not according to what George Lutz said during the 1979 Good Morning America interview. Did Missy have an imaginary friend named Jody? As a matter of fact, yes. And she lived in the closet that Missy was occupying at the time. The entity would present itself to her in different forms, including an angel, a large pig, and a little girl named Jody. In the movie, George sees Jody in pig form in an upstairs window. Earlier, his wife, Kathy, sees Jody's glowing red eyes through a window in the darkness. A drawing that the real-life Missy allegedly did of Jody is featured in Jay Anson's novel. The creature in the drawing looks more like a cat than a pig. However, the book describes it as a drawing of a pig walking across the snow. Did Daniel get his hand smashed in the window? Yes. According to Daniel Lutz, he did get his hand smashed by the window in real life. Daniel says that the window smashed his hand skin on skin, emphasizing the initial severity of his injury. He holds up his hand in front of the camera to demonstrate that his little finger is still bent from the injury. Moments later, he contradicted himself somewhat by saying that his hand had magically healed just minutes after the injury. In the movie, the parents take their son to the hospital and are eerily amazed that there are no broken bones in his hand. Was there really a secret red room in the basement? Yes, oddly enough, but the red room was exaggerated in the movie and in the book. In reality, the red room wasn't all that secret. It was part of a storage space under the basement stairs. Patty Camarato, a former friend of the murdered Defoe, Allison revisits the real Amityville Red Room during a 1980 episode of That's Incredible. She says that the Defoe's used that area to store toys in the small red space. For the Amityville mo- movie, the scene is a bit more vivid. The filmmakers recruited the real-life brother of actor James Brolin to portray the face entity that Brolin's character sees in the secret basement room. They needed someone who looked like Brolin, and when given a beard and a mustache, his brother easily fit that part. Thank you so much for listening. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. A majority of people believe they have seen a ghost, poll claims. Three in five people have said that they have seen a ghost in their lifetime, according to this new poll. A survey of 2,000 people found most believe they had a supernatural experience, with 40% saying they thought their pet had had one as well. One in three had either lived or stayed in a house they felt was haunted. When confronted with a ghost, men were twice as likely as women to scream and run away, while other initial responses included crying, hiding, and fainting. We know from experience that year after year, people love to be scared and seek out as many frightful opportunities as possible. If something scary isn't for you or your children, carving a pumpkin, visiting an apple orchard, or going on a hayride can also be great ways to celebrate the paranormal. Survey also identified other fears that give us the shivers, such as snakes, spiders, sharks, and drowning, heights, public speaking, failure, bees, cramped spaces, and rejection. Even though snakes ranked higher than bees on the list of fears by a more than two to one margin, most respondents said they would rather have snakes slither all over them than to be surrounded by a swarm of bees. One might ask themselves, is there any truth to the stories that have come from the Amityville Mansion? The House of Horrors, the House of Hell, whatever you prefer to call it. So many movies have been spun off from the encounters that the Lutz family bore witness to as well as a few other families that have since purchased the house, kept it for a total of 10 years, and moved on. Or the one who purchased it and kept it for a year, only to then turn around and leave most of his belongings in the house for fear of returning to retrieve said items and have something truly disturbing and dark attach itself to them to go to their new place. So many people that have stayed there or have owned it have either not experienced a thing or have experienced a lot of paranormal activity. Whether it be shadows or voices, footsteps, phantom odors, strange light orbs, sounds of people talking, it goes on and on. And of course, The Conjuring too dealt heavily with things of this nature or supernatural nature. It was around the same year that the house was sold to a new family and they were strongly considering tying in the Amityville Mansion into the movie The Conjuring 2. And the Conjuring universe is ever-expanding. There's always sequels and there's been spin-offs such as The Nun or Annabelle. It's only a matter of time before they actually do an investigative type film pertaining to Amityville, the events that took place after the Lutz family left and the investigations that ensued. It's anyone's guess. I hope I'm still around to see it if it does come to fruition. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, and this has been all about the Amityville Mansion, the House of Horrors. Please join me next week for something else interesting and creepy. I may be discussing mysterious disappearances, unexplained disappearances, mysterious deaths. I have that lined up, along with a few other ideas. But I'll be taking off on vacation and trying to do this podcast while traveling. I will be on the road all month in July, so I'll have a lot of interesting things to share. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you for your time and attention. And I'll see you next time on Paranormally Speaking. So